As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. The Athletic. I'm sorry, you can sit there and look and play with all your silly machines as much as you like. Is Gascoigne going to have a crack? He is, you know. Oh, I think! Brilliant! How to see a pandemic out by the corner flag with analogy ace Professor Jonathan Van Tam, the muddled camera angle legacy of Germany 1, England 5 in 2001, why are the BBC getting thrashed by ITV on expected goals, what name should we give to ITV's tournament undermining font, what is the threshold for a solo effort? And do we really want to get either of Glenn Hoddle's latest singles to number one? Brought to your ears by The Athletic, this is Football Clichés. Right now, you can subscribe to The Athletic for a special price of £1 a month for six months. You'll enjoy great analysis and in-depth features from the very best football writers around, as well as ad-free versions of all of our podcasts. So go to theathletic.com forward slash clichés pod to take advantage of this special discount. That's theathletic.com forward slash clichés pod. Hello everyone and welcome to episode 78 of the Football Clichés podcast. I'm Adam Hurry and with me first of all is David Walker. Wall chart update please Dave. Well, I mean you, you saw on, on Twitter immediately after the Italy-Austria game on Saturday evening I was um, tweeted saying what are you going to do about the, how do you denote extra time on the wall chart? How are you going to yeah. handle that particular no dilemma? No accommodation and- for it. And it was a dilemma, but I had already handled it. And as I posted in reply, I've just gone for a very small, squeezed in, a very lowercase A dot E dot T. Interesting use of dots in AET. Um, uh, I'm not sure how I feel about it. I mean, it's, it's, it's an awkward thing to read it any, any, in any context. Is, that, is but... it wrong? I, mean, I just, that's just, I mean, it was instinct. That's what I just I, thought I it should be. But is that I don't wrong? know. I feel like I'm a lowercase no dots man when it comes to AET, when I feel like really... It should be kind of uppercase, but I, I, I don't know. Let's see what our other guest has to say about this. James Moore, 
Do you have any strong feelings on how you should abbreviate after extra time? I, I'm happy with lowercase without the dots because I don't think you're going to confuse it with anything else. That's so I true. think that's fine. And it looks, a bit more, it looks a bit neater without the dots. No one will think it's sort of, you know, misplaced Latin. It, each to their own. Dave's home is his castle. We can't, it's not for me to say, you know, what Dave <laughs> should do in his own house. It's absolutely fine. What, what deviant nonsense he gets up to with a biro in his own home is his own business. <laughs> Felt tip, actually. Yeah, I've seen the pen you use, mate. It's an absolute nightmare. <laughs> I mean, th- there's a hint of an after the Lord's Mayor's show feel about this episode isn't there after after Wednesday's excitement but um, James I still do have an audio treat for you at the end of this episode sadly Lovely. not not Trevor Brooking now that is a shame yeah or or indeed the um, someone challenged us to find the crowd sounds at the start of three lines uh, which which I feel like is a step too far oh, even for my guy at the BBC oh, oh. Oh. It's just not a real chant, is it? It's not a real noise that you would hear in a football match. I, I'm pretty sure the oh mm. is a kind of early chance in a game that a team need to win. Oh. Like they're on top at the start. Yeah. Mm. It's too... It could be Ooh. anything. You can't, you'll you never be able to find it and go, oh, that's it. <laughs> Imagine if someone found it. <laughs> I would die. Look, we oh, can't rule that out now, die. can we? You are wondering now, though, aren't you? We have planted a little seed there. Yeah. Um, at the risk of um, uh, embedding ourselves deeply... In the mid '90s, I, I want to start with um, something that um, friend of mine, Matt Stanger, found on on Twitter this week. Mm. And this is from Glastonbury 1995. Oasis is set, and this is Noel Gallagher re- revealing some hot transfer news. What is interested in football? <laughs> no reaction. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> crowd didn't didn't really care. My, my, I mean, my first question. I mean, I mean, obviously, so deliciously nineties, Dave. The whole, the whole that whole ten seconds. But my first question is, how do you think the news got to him? Bonehead. It's got bonehead written all over it. <laughs> it's a great question, though. So it's nineteen ninety five. So there isn't mm. even there's not even embryonic internet, really, is mm. there? I don't think mm. at that point, and certainly wouldn't have been piped into Glastonbury if if it was. Uh, has he been? Has he got teletext on the, That's what the I was... dressing room backstage? <laughs> <laughs> Did he phone? Did he phone Team Talk or whatever? Club call to find out. <laughs> Used up their entire appearance fee phoning up Club Call to, to find out. But, but Chelsea. I mean, why would he be calling Chelsea Club Call? He's Noel Gallagher. <laughs> if he if he came on and said, "Oh, have you heard Man City have just signed Georgie King Cladsey?" Fine. But why is he giving us Chelsea news? Mark, I don't Hughes. know. Maybe that was a Glastonbury thing in the mid nineties, especially you know, you know, you know, when the Premier League foreign influx and and big transfers were really starting. Maybe maybe transfers were a big deal. But um, I mean, the club call headline would have been you know former Barca ace to sign for Chelsea question mark exclamation mark. So um, former Barca and Bayern ace. But yeah, no lovely stuff. Lovely stuff from Glastonbury, 1995. James, on to well-trodden paths now. We thought he might be, we might, he might have wrapped up his business for the pandemic, but he hasn't. He's still going, Professor Jonathan Van Tam, and he's really stepped it up now. He met his heroes this week. In fact, he vaccinated members of his hometown football team, Boston United. And uh, before we hear what he had to say, um, I really enjoyed this quote from Boston centre forward Jordan Preston. He said, obviously, he's got great pedigree in the medical world. And when we found out he was a Boston fan as well, it was good to meet him at both ends. Um, <laughs> the first part of that, that is such a footballery thing to say. Great pedigree in the medical world. I mean, yeah, 
He's but, a professor. But I mean, <laughs> specifically though, James, this is the sort of way that footballers talk when they're kind of they're sort of forced to meet someone from another walk of life, mm. slightly famous person. They have to say something sort of you know fairly kind of uh, anodyne about their successes in the field, which I quite like. Yeah, well, they just talk about everyone else like they're footballers as well, don't they? They see every other industry as basically being kind of the equivocal thing, so they, they just compare people in exactly the same way. Yeah, no, he's had a good pandemic. Um, uh, but anyway, um, but yeah, Van Tam back on form giving it the big one. When we realised that these vaccines were not going to be moderately effective, they were going to be highly effective. As I said at Downing Street, that was the first goal in the back of the net. Now we're kind of banging them in for free, for fun, you know. Um, We'll score when we want, as it were. And um, we're probably now at the 72nd minute or so. Very specific. Don't be foolish. It's about game management. It's about finishing the job. It's about making sure that whatever happens, we get the three points. Dave, I mean, I mean, we have to pick this apart. I mean, I, f- I feel like he's mixing up his game states here because, firstly, we you know, at first we're, we're scoring for fun, and then now we've got to manage the game. What's going on? What is what is the score in this game? Who, who knows? <laughs> is it so like we're, three nil? We're five nil up apparently. I mean, we're scoring for fun, yeah. And then we've got to, we're just we're just gonna. I mean, actually, which you know, as we've bemoaned on this on this podcast before, maybe mm. he should have said we're falling up at half time, so we're we're not going to come out in the second half and try and score four more. We're just gonna just gonna manage the game out. Yeah, uh, uh, <laughs> we're just gonna like run, run like unvaccinated teenagers into the corner of the room and just kind of keep them there out of arms like it's, it's not on. This is John, Jonathan Shithouse Van Tab running the ball into the corner at five nil up. I'm not happy. But you do make a great point. Uh, I mean, is he? I suppose he's probably he's not talking squarely about vaccinations, is he? He's talking he's talking broadly about the mm. pandemic. But mm. yeah, surely we just we 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 want to keep if we you know if we are scoring goals for fun in the pandemic sense, we need to score as many goals as we possibly can until the mm. fucking game is out of sight. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, but I know his his strongest analogy yet, I think, just in terms of the of the dedication to it. It may not have mm. been you know factually correct the the analytics community will have a field day with this but um but yeah still good to see he's going for it we'll get him on the podcast at some point before you know pandemics go out of fashion i also noticed on the the caption on the on the screen Mm. reminding us that he is actually the deputy chief medical officer and he is very much he's very much a number two isn't he i don't think he'd be a good if god forbid if anything happened to valance or witty i don't think he'd be a good number one he's (laughs) he's like sammy lee isn't he He does seem like an arm round the shoulder type, doesn't he? Yeah. There's no no teacups will be thrown. You need that. That's, you need the balance. Yeah. But yeah, no strong work from Van Tam, deputy head of medicine. Anyway, huge thing this week: the small matter of James England versus Germany at Wembley. The right time, I think, on Monday morning to take stock of the media coverage of England versus Germany. I feel like it hasn't quite taken off. I, I wonder if it's this. This doesn't feel like a big enough game to warrant the full historical treatment. Am I wrong? I think I see what you mean because last sixteen doesn't really kind of conjure images of like you know a, a dramatic run for a tournament. Yeah. But now, as we record, uh, Holland have been knocked out, uh, which does kind of weaken England's side of a draw. So I do wonder if that might 
it suddenly might make it feel like a slightly bigger game. Yeah, maybe the stakes are raised. But I mean, that might be kind of putting the cart before the horse a little bit. But oh, no, I that's fine. That might... Do you know what? Tempting fate is the biggest load of bullshit in football. It's, it's fine. It's fine to tempt fate. It's absolutely fine. Dave, I know I know Euro 96 kind of takes precedence here in terms of in terms of the context of this game, but I'm starting to think that 1966 is really getting edged out of the door. Like, no one talks about it now. Mm. Um, I haven't heard a whisper about it in the lead-up to this game. I think, are we finally done with it? I think we might be. It is a great point. And perhaps if we manage to get to the final this time with it being at Wembley, hmm. that's when you'll obviously you'll obviously hear it. I suppose, Maybe. I don't know why that is. It's, it's weird, isn't it? Maybe because, I mean, sadly, there are fewer and fewer members of that team around. But still, Jeff Hurst still very much knocking about for the right price. We'll come along and be a, be a sit in a studio, I'm sure. Yeah. But yeah, it's weird, isn't it? And I think... In general, like you say, the coverage, I think maybe because of the timing of it, we've got, he had a long run up to this game, getting, getting, what was it on Wednesday, wasn't it, when we found out we'd be playing Germany, this is mm. basically a week, week lead up to the game. So I think, I think the newspapers, radio stations, TV stations, whatever, keeping their powder dry, we're recording this mm. on Sunday night, I think mm. Monday morning, Tuesday morning, I Tuesday think morning papers, could be it. I mean, can you, can you just imagine just that there are certain individuals whether it's at the Sun, I know Daily Star have gone for, gone quite hard already on it. I think haven't they in their sort of sort of comical sort of fashion that they tend to do these days. But mm. there'd definitely be some people at the Sun who are absolutely dying to put Harry Kane in an army helmet <laughs> or something, aren't they? They just what they want to, but they know they can't. And how far will they go? Harry Harry Kane strikes me more of a like an RAF pilot. I think yes, you know, sort of yeah. Yeah, I think yeah. that they would consider that more tasteful for some reason. I don't know. Maybe <laughs> um, but I mean, I mean, I mean, I worry that 1966 James is never going to be evoked properly again because you know, even if we get to the final of the World Cup, I, I can't see 1966 being evoked. You know, at Christmas in Doha, it just the whole thing just doesn't work. But I mean, Dave mentions uh, Jeff Hurst there being wheeled out for these occasions. I fear that Jeff Hurst they've run out of things to ask Jeff Hurst about 1966 probably run out of things to ask Jeff Hurst about in about 1966 and about 1967 yeah that's true respect yeah can your mind fathom a human being more bored of answering questions about something than Jeff Hurst in 1966 is it you when someone tweets you saying can you can you quite can you quantify no how many make up a no I appreciate all appreciate all the uh all the correspondence, thank you very much. It's a, it is a, on, on 66, though, it is a real shame that England haven't managed to fall into the pathway of playing a game in, in Baku this tournament because mm. the stadium is named after the linesman who gave us the oh. goal. He is actually from Azerbaijan, not not a Russia, I suppose. Maybe, was was that part of the Soviet Union back then? I'm not yeah, sure. It but certainly was. Yeah. yeah. So, he, but he was actually from Azerbaijan, and he's a, there's a st- statue of him outside the stadium. Should, should we have statues of referees? He's not even a referee; he's a linesman. <laughs> I think he may have done some referee. The Mike Malarkey <laughs> Arena. The Mike Malarkey Arena. That's national. That's National League South. You join us here this afternoon at the Darren Can Stadium <laughs> for a lunchtime kickoff. <laughs> Just to linger on 1966 and 1996 for a little longer, the, the iconography of those games is, is so well ingrained. Like you, you can picture it in your head. You've been shown it so many times. That isn't always the case for England-Germany games, Dave. Because if you take, for example, Germany 1, England 5 in 2001, I put it to you, David Walker, 
that that is the most unestablished camera angle for a football match of all time. Yes, I think you're right, but only until recently, because in my mind, it, my, it's clear as day in my mind, I remember watching the game okay. at my mate's house on a, hmm. on a big telly, yeah. and I vividly remember the Steven Gerrard goal just before half-time going from left to right on the screen and then and you know and then and then Owen and Heskey running through from right to left in the second half to to seal the victory so you're but, abiding but, memories the original coverage okay interesting. yeah but then but recently I've seen like the FA tweeting out highlights of that game and like on this day and stuff and they're all flipped around it's all the wrong way no one's saying anything about it I, I have a theory on this because I, I think I think I had a VHS cassette or maybe DVD. I mean, in 2000. I had the DVD, kind of yeah. I had the 50, DVD. 50 50. And I think that was the reverse. Yeah. As well, right? Yeah. So I think the FA have bought that version, which is the German version of it, which is why it has all the German advertising holdings. So mm. they filmed it from two angles so mm. they can make more money out wow. of sponsorship. Uh, and I think the FA have bought that version, presuming for less money, because I guess Scott, would Sky have owned it, maybe? Did they say yeah, I assume so. Is it Motson? Motson on the no, BBC. Was... Peter Brackley this is does getting the. Better and better and better. <laughs> Isn't it Tyler? There's no, there's no Tyler and Grover. I think that, yeah, because Tyler says, uh, Heskey, and it's That's five! Fun. And then the Peter Brackley does the version that you can find on YouTube, which is basically uh, the, the yeah. holy trinity <laughs> of that game. Recorded in like 2018 or something. Yeah. But we asked, we asked our listeners, I mean, I feel like this is, a, this is a thing. We asked our listeners, Dave, what angle do you predominantly remember that game when Owen scored that hat-trick ceiling goal? Was, were England attacking from left to right or right to left? And it's 63.7% of our thousands of voters said right to left as you remember it. Personally, I'm very foggy about this because I watched it in a bar in Valaraki. Oh. So I don't know which broadcaster... But hang yeah. on a minute, wasn't it? This was at a World Cup qualifier in the autumn, wasn't it? No, September. September. Oh, still mm, quite late in the season to be in Valaraki. It was very early September. Cheaper. You, was, this, was this like a lads trip? Were you, were you a rep? Were you doing a season? What, what was the deal? No, it wasn't. It wasn't me and a load of lads. I, 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 should, um, I should say. But, um, uh, well, hang on. That's even more weird. What were you doing there? <laughs> yeah, hang on. So who were you there with? You there with your parents, family? I mean, what? It was, it was me and 12 girls in Valaraki. <laughs> what? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> And C carry and, on, keep going. And to complicate matters, it was what? me and twelve girls in Valaraki, and and it, it was an eighteen to thirties holiday. And as they do on these things, they um, on on certain nights they split the the boys and the girls up, and they go off to and, and uh, to their separate yeah. bars and and uh, preload. I suspect is the is the phrase is the best way to describe it. And uh, the boys all got round to watch uh, England Germany, so essentially watching it on my own. Uh, and uh, I, despite all those vivid memories of that holiday, I cannot remember. What camera angle <laughs> I had for the game? Sorry, you, I just can't get over this. You, why were you on holiday with twelve girls? It's just nothing wrong with it, but I've never heard anything like it. Just how the dice, the dice roll sometimes. Um, this isn't going to make the edit, is it? So it's fine. None of it. None of it. No, oh, it will be. It will be making the edit. Don't worry about that. <laughs> but leave it in, Dave. <laughs> but you know, from a purely football broadcasting perspective, I'm fascinated, fascinated by this, um, this misremembering, or you know muddled memories of camera angles and and james i mean now we've discussed that at discomforting length i feel like does that not affect the legacy of the game itself because i have to say a lot of, all all of those goals are slightly awkward goals there's something about them that isn't quite you know era defining about them the, the gerard goal in my mind uh, you know as, as a goal. was kind of from the left to the right yeah. but when you watch it from the left to the right it looks like a really good goal yeah but when you watch it the other way around and i did that just before we started recording mm. 
it looks so scruffy. Yeah. I mean, you can, because Beckham kind of swings this slightly awkward ball into the edge of the box. Mm. And like when he's on the near side, you can't really see exactly how kind of jarring his body shape is mm. and how awkward the trajectory of the ball is and stuff. Mm. But when, it, when it's on the far side of the pitch, you can see all of that so much more clearly. It just makes it look like he just hacked the ball in, like, into the D. And then it's kind of fallen for Jared and he smacked it in the bottom corner. Mm, absolutely right. We should, we, we'll, let's, let's play a little clip of Owen's hat-trick goal. And Motson commentary notwithstanding, I, just, I, I want our listeners to have that vivid image of their head of left to right or right to left. Just to get it, ram it home. England were, what, 2-0 up against Germany in 1970 in Mexico. Lost 3-2. So, no, don't... Uh... Oh, Owen's through again for England. What a chance for the hat-trick here. Owen. Oh, this is getting better and better and better. One, two, three for Michael Owen. Oh, it's vintage Motti, isn't it? Yeah, it's good, it's good commentary. It's good commentary. Yeah, just, just before his sort of Japan career debacle. Nothing happened. It was just commentary. I mean... Um, <laughs> was, he, was he on an 1830 holiday? <laughs> <laughs> John Motson in Balaraki with 12 women. Uh, yes, very much so. Definitely <laughs> move on. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard it right. You can talk to a real human in customer service any time. Sounds like a real game changer, if you ask me. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Another legacy of England, Germany, James, is, of course, Gareth Southgate's Pizza Hut advert. Yeah. In late 1996. Now, it's um, been widely uh, reported that none of the England, current England players know or care about this, uh, which, is, <laughs> which is slightly disheartening to the 30s. The second bit is key, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, they just, they just don't give a shit, do they? Which, which I actually, let's linger on this point for the moment. I actually quite like the fact that none of this English squad give a shit about any of the historical crap that keeps constantly being thrown at them. Well, why would they? Why would they, though? Yeah. Half of them literally weren't born. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's crazy to think. I find it so strange that they get asked about this in every single interview. Like, that's been done over the last few days, and I'm not going to pick any particular journalists out. I've seen so many of them. There's an interview with Phil Foden on the BBC at halftime of the Wales game on Saturday, where they were, you know, he was asked loads of questions about, like, Italian 19, Euro 96, and England's record against Germany in 2010, but fair enough, he would have been alive. What? Why are we negging our players like this? If they don't know about it, why the hell would you tell them? Just let them live in blissful ignorance. Who cares? Just don't, don't, like, don't taint their minds with mm. this. Let them think we've got a really good record. We haven't even played them since 1966, have we? Mm. I was that friendly in 2016. Other than that, 
We've not played them. No, I agree. I mean, there must be an element of frustration when they sh- when they sort of talk to the players about this and they sort of don't really react. Dave, it's a bit like sort of sending a link to someone of a song you really love and they just sort of either just ignore it or say, yeah, yeah, it's quite, it's quite good. And you're like, what? No, actually, that's fucking amazing. Listen to it. It's really, really good. Not, not only do they obviously not remember the advert or care about the advert, I bet loads of them don't, have never even been to a pizza hut. <laughs> That's also true. Footballers these days are all Pizza Express, aren't they? I bet they're much... Well, yeah, well, you know, Domino's, Papa John's very much come to the fore in the intervening couple of decades. It's true. Pizza Hut was the only game in town back in 1996. By the way, this isn't to, like, decry Pizza Hut's contemporary product, but the pizza in the advert looks so stodgy. Honestly, it's massive. It's so... It was advertising advertising a new style of... The new deep pan pizza. That was the actual... That was what they were advertising in the thing. So it's especially thick and cheesy. The, um, The key... The key part of the advertising, I think, and we, we should listen to the clip from the, we should listen to this advert in a moment, is um, is the way that Stuart Pierce pronounces pan pizza, which I, I could do a whole podcast on simply the vowel sounds of that. It's so delicious. Let's hear it. Miss, miss Pizza Hut pan pizzas, unless I'm mistaken. Mm. Thank, Thank you, you. miss. Come on, Gareth. It only took me six years to get over it. Have some pan pizza. Pan pizza from Pizza Hut, a light fluffy base with a crispy crust smothered with generous toppings. Thanks a lot, boys. I feel much better now. This time he's at the post. Pizza Hut pan pizza. It always hits the spot. (laughs) Dave, objectively, a good advert. A good advert. Southgate's really shit in that, isn't he, though? <laughs> you can tell. An admirable performance from Pierce. Waddle hasn't got anything to do apart from chuckle. Yeah, Waddle does bugger all. How many times did they did they get Southgate to do that line before they just went, you know what, yep, it's all right, we've got it. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I was amazed in, in the piece that Adam Leventhal has written for The Athletic that they were there from lunchtime, was it till, like, till 10 in the evening? Yeah. And the advert's like 20 seconds long. Mm. How many times did he have to walk into that pillar? The, the thing that really amazed me, and this is this is so 90s, like, and, you know, the real golden era of advertising, James, is that um, they didn't just film it in a pizza hut somewhere. They had to build it. <laughs> they had to build the set. They had to build a pizza hut restaurant in a studio. Why? What's the point? For 20 seconds of um, of three footballers just bantering about some pizza. But yeah, yeah, no, pan pizza. <laughs> Pan, have some pan pizza. Pan pizza. It's, it's, it's just, I mean, that really makes me want to eat it. There's something guttural about it that makes me really want to just devour a pan pizza. But yeah, I think we've covered the entire historical oeuvre that is uh, England versus Germany there. We've nailed it, we've covered it, there's nothing more to say. On to more modern rivalries, Dave. BBC versus ITV in XG. I don't know if you're aware of this. But uh, the the BBC are woefully underperforming on XG at this tournament. 43 goals have been scored on BBC coverage at Euro 2020 so far, but with 61.36 XG. Whereas on ITV, they've shown 61 goals from 61.97 XG. So they are performing at the expected rate. What's going on? I mean... There must, I mean, small sample size, etc. Boring, but um, uh, but explain this to me in the most likely terms that you can think of. Is it some sort of analogy for how the two sides are performing in terms of their broadcast output in the tournament so far? ITV doing quite well. BBC perhaps perhaps not quite living up to expectations. I don't know. Robbie Savage missing the mark, maybe. Does it bode well for England? We're on ITV, aren't we? On Tuesday, I think. Are we? Or on BBC? BBC, I think. Yeah, I think it's yeah. Oh, okay. That's um, not good then. That means we're going to miss our chances. I'm stretching my understanding of XG a little bit here. Not, not that I 
not that I shouldn't understand it, it's very easy, but does that mean that the BBC have had better goals, James? Like, have they shown better goals? No, it doesn't. No, no, it means that it means that the, B- the matches on the BBC have had a lot of presentable chances. And so there should have been 61 goals on the BBC, but there's only been 43. Right, so it's poorer finishing on the BBC than there has been on ITV. Yeah. They've been less clinical. ITV, James, I mean, there are bigger issues at play here. I've been grumbling consistently about the font they're using the kind oh. of secondary font that they're using to display the score at the bottom of the screen. And it came that to a head not. this weekend when they used it for the clock to time a counter-attack in a game. And I found it disgusting. Mm. Clocks at the bottom of the screen are serious business. It's like analytics, right? Don't use your well, silly like font Cold hard facts. You can't mess around with your wacky sort of Miami <laughs> yes. Vice font for that. <laughs> exactly right. Yeah, no, I'm glad you agree. Dave, we asked our listeners what they think this font should be called. I mean, this is genuinely tournament-ruining, England-chances-defying font. Pie, the non-league dog, says it could be, should be called Comic Flans. <laughs> yeah. Um, weekly contributor Sam says it should be called Unused ITV F1, open brackets 2006. A friend of the show, Will Unwin, says the font is called Bourgeois Graffiti. Dave O'Leary, impulse t-shirt by in Newquay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's very Newquay, isn't it? Yeah, it's a little bit surf dude with no attitude, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, yeah, very good. Uh, but I think this is my favourite one, James. Paul Hutchinson and Timmy D20 both suggest simply Matterface. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that works. That works for me. No judgment here. That simply does sound like the name of a font. It, it really does. Matterface sounds, maybe. Pugach, it's Alex Sons. Listener Tom Gregory contacted me with an urgent inquiry on Saturday evening after Italy's edgy win over Austria at Wembley. And he questioned the BBC's description of Federico Chiesa's deadlock breaker as an individual goal, Dave. I mean, let's, tack- let's tackle this first. I mean, you're aware of the goal itself. Very, very nicely brought down and taken, sort of a like, very sort of little Dennis Bergkamp, wasn't it? Mm. But an individual goal? Not having it. No, it's not. It's not an individual goal. It's not a solo effort. No. None of those things. It's, no. um, it's a fantastic piece of skill. You can call it a great piece of improvisational skill from Chiesa. Uh, you know, he's he used his head, his left foot, his right foot. It's a, it's a fantastic goal, but it's not a solo effort. Mm. You have to you have to beat players to, for that to happen, surely. You have to be at least one, if not two or more players. And it has to be movement. You have to, you have to cover some ground. Mm. Not, not a solo goal, not an individual goal. When we were talking about excellent work last week, we talked about like progressing the ball up the pitch. And I definitely think that's a big part of a, a solo goal. You can't like, you know, he picked the ball up probably just about, was he in the six yard box or close enough? I mean, that is just completely unacceptable, isn't it? I mean, he's just too much. Is it excellent work? Chiesa opened the scoring after some excellent work from Federico Chiesa. No, I'm not <laughs> having it. I don't like it. What if, what if he'd crossed it? If he'd, if he'd taken it down on his head, knocked it with his right foot, dinked it over the box for him immobile to score would it have been immobile tapped in after excellent work from Chiesa oh, it would have been so close but again as James says it requires some ball progression up the field mm. and that and for as as dexterous as that was I just don't think that qualifies but um mm. James matters were compounded shortly afterwards when stats upstarts who scored tweeted this out head right foot left foot a perfect hat trick of touches all in one goal. Well, that's no. absolute. That's absolute no. nonsense. If he's not headed it, he's faced it. He hasn't like headed the ball down. It's hit him in the face mm. and fallen to the floor. Mm, completely. That's not one. That isn't a thing. And two, he hasn't headed it. Yeah. Okay. I um, well. I oh. mean, I, I don't agree with the perfect hat trick of touches thing. That's obviously nonsense. Mm. But I think if you face it, that still counts. It's still your head, isn't it? 
Your face is your head. <laughs> I, I think if, so, if if someone walks Dave, if someone walks up to you in the pub and yeah. punches you in the face, <laughs> yeah. you don't say someone punched me in the head. You say it's, they punch you. That's specify they punched you in the face. <laughs> yeah, but he tried to head it, and it's still. I think it would count. Like if you went up for a header, mm. and you won the ball, but it hit you in the face, but you won the ball. You, you, that would count. Who scored would te- would put that down as winning an aerial duel, I think. <laughs> I think the, the, the ball hitting you in the face, it's a lottery, isn't it? Famously. It could go, you know, you've got all the features there. It could go anywhere. We're, we're, you can't purposely control the ball with your face. We're focusing on the wrong niche here. We're focusing far too much on the wrong <laughs> niche here. The niche we're talking about is what constitutes an individual slash solo goal or, Dave, as you say, effort, which is a, it has to be a solo effort. Um, asked our listeners as we always do and here we go Marco J says you must go past two players at least and ideally into the area best if an obvious pass is ignored at some point I do like that if you have the option to give the ball to someone else but you don't choose it so we're on the right tracks here John Hopkins the scorer has to beat at least three opposition players from a starting position of 30 yards out needs to include slaloming James too strict Uh, yeah I'd say so I don't think you need to I don't think it needs to be slaloming necessarily I I, I would say two players Mm. um, at least one of them has to be Sort of like a really sort of unique or like eye-catching bit of skill. Yeah, I think you know it has to be like a really good dummy or like a sort of quarterback or something that like completely flummoxes the defender. Okay. The other one you can just kind of ghost past. That's fine. Yeah. But I think at least one needs to be, you know, like a sort of highlight reel bit of skill. Yeah. John Hopkins had Ryan Giggs in his head there. I I fear. Um, Dave James Lindsay says solo goal needs the player to be on the ball for a minimum of ten consecutive seconds and beat at least two opposing players. He's introducing a time element that's to this. Way too long. <laughs> <laughs> 10 seconds is a fucking long 10 time. 10 seconds is ages. Yeah, that. I think he's probably just thought 10 seconds. I don't know if he's actually thought about how long 10 seconds is actually in a game there. You're right. It is a long time, isn't it? Because <laughs> there are some players that could probably run, what, h- half the pitch in 10 mm. seconds easily? Mm. Usain easily. Bolt winning Olympic gold in this fantastic solo effort. <laughs> <laughs> Ben Smith says goes past at least two players and must start run from outside the box. I mean, James, this is a very good point. Location, start, you need to, you need to start from outside the box, don't you? And finish it inside. That's we. That's okay, isn't it? I hadn't thought of the ins- of getting into the box thing, but actually, yeah, I think that's right. I don't, I don't think you'd call like if someone picked the ball up in their own half, took it thirty yards up the pitch, and then scored from like thirty-five yards. I don't think. I don't think that would go down as a solo goal. Oh, I because think that's I think a lot. You, you, I think you focus more on the finish than the entire progression of the ball, if you see what I mean. And I think mm. the fact that it was from distance maybe would detract slightly from I can't that. think of any goals that's ever been scored like that, which doesn't help, uh, I have to say. If you've run that far, you're probably going to carry on going and not shoot from 35 yards. I, that's a separate debate, perhaps. And we, that's very Roy of the Rovers goal you've just described. There, but nonetheless, I like these two um, suggestions, Dave. Mouth 11 says a solo goal is scored when the player receives the ball and there's no expectation slash concern that a goal will be scored. This is another Ooh, very good, nice little angle. Nice. So you get the ball in a position where the XG is very low, whether you're on BBC or ITV. And <laughs> uh, so that's the that's the seed sown for a solo goal. Happy with that? Yeah, I think that's good. There's a crowd noise thing as well, isn't there, maybe, with a solo goal? Like the, the kind of like crescendo of you know excitement that builds up as the player has the ball. True. I like this final suggestion from Luke. He says, a solo goal, if you shout, go on, twice. <laughs> Really yeah, good. Nice. Yeah. Nicely specified the twice as well. Um, yeah, very good indeed. Very good indeed. Well done, everybody. I think we've got a lot closer to what constitutes a solo slash individual effort. 
the treat I promised you, James, has arrived, the audio treat. Um, this, oh, this dropped into my WhatsApp the other day, um, to my mild astonishment. And everyone I mentioned it to has reacted the same way. They hadn't heard this either. Um, so it's bad news for whoever's been promoting this because uh, they haven't done a very good job at all. Uh, anyway, it turns out that Glenn Hoddle has released not one but two singles this summer. Oh, wow. Yeah, double A side. Yeah, well, yeah, it seems. Yes, yeah, so, yeah, double A side. Yeah, I guess so. I guess we should, we should start, Dave, with the football related <laughs> one. He's released a song called "Cause We're England," and <laughs> and before we listen to the song, Dave, the title does not offer you much promise, does it? Yeah, and we should also stress that it's C U Z. Yes, because we're because we're England. <laughs> can I can I predict a few things that we mentioned in this? And I honestly haven't heard this. I yeah. saw this on Twitter, but I haven't heard it. Yeah, right. It's going to be like a, a, like a sort of oblique reference as like, you know, we was robbed, you know, sort of questionable sort of foreigners up to no good in tournaments. Uh, 1966, the word 1966 will be mentioned explicitly. Uh, okay. And I'll tell you what else, there'll be, cause, because it's Glenn Hoddle, there'll be like the kind of build them up to knock them down sort of thing. Oh, uh, yeah. There'll be something okay. like that in there. Okay, fair enough. Without further ado, let's hear Cos We're England by Glenn Hoddle. <laughs> this is, this is starts oh exactly God. as you would have expected it to. Country tinge. Very country to start. Here we go. Jesus Christ. CBBC theme tune, like a family oriented. It's very waffle, the Wonder Dog, Off to sleep, we're counting down the days. A squad of England's best, extremes of touch and flair and power. Dreams of 66. Here we go, 66. We Come on. The next chorus and the next verse is going to be like a lament of Matt Dickinson by any chance. <laughs> <laughs> Well done, James. By the way, on getting getting all those predictions were I correct, mean, really. Weren't? Completely. I mean, I, I, it's not a massive shock, is it? Were you surprised by the country, the sort of the countryness of the song? Yeah, I don't mean. Really, I, I kind of having heard uh, his previous work. I mean, it, uh, is it, it's called is it, it's goodbye? Yeah, the second song he did. With the superior, Huddle, which is kind of yeah, definitely the film for the purists, incredibly eighties. Yeah, I guess that's kind of what I expected. I can't say I'm disappointed. No, no, absolutely not. But um, I mean, the other single. It's a baffling addendum to this. This isn't football related at all. This is this is Glenn Hoddle with the life you give. Dodgy territory already, I feel. Oh, <laughs> it's not what you think, is it? Oh, here we go. The life you give to me. This is Backstreet Boys. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, 
it's got a nice voice. How old is Glenn Hollow? Sixty. I mean, yeah, sixties, early sixties. This is very one true voice. Yeah. <laughs> a bit falsetto. Very nice. Breathy. All nice dramatic lead into the chorus. This is definitely I, I want it that way about the Backstreet Boys, right? It's, it's like it's like two songs sort of cut and shut together. I swear. <laughs> <laughs> Late nineties pop cut and shut. Decent verses and then just a really rubbish chorus. Really rubbish. Do you know actually more people have listened to that on Spotify than because we're England, <laughs> which is quite nice. <laughs> it's got broader appeal. It's about yeah. life. Yeah. Mainstream, that's our mainstream pop smash. I mean, it's you can you can un, you can understand the England song, can't you? I mean, and you know, there are, there are a litany of England songs that have been released by footballers, by pop stars, by whoever that just you know just get straight in the old proverbial bargain bucket. But why is he released this? I don't understand it. And I mean, is it about like is it about is it? Is it supposed to be about the fact that he that he nearly died and he had a heart attack? Is that is it is that what we're talking about here? Or is it just a generic? Because it sort well, of could just be a generic love song sort of thing. You think it's an ode to the NHS? I, well, I don't know. I, there are strong vibes here that some of the some of the proceeds, God knows how much that is, um, are going to be going to like the British Heart Foundation or something like that, um, which which is good, obviously, oh, which would be great. But it's just it's not explicit. It's not explicit. Don't say he doesn't say it on the on the on the record sleeve. Yeah. that I can see. It, retains a, a sense of ambiguity mm. without being squarely like you know all about the heart or whatever it's weird and the, and you can't knock him like fair play he's in, yeah. he's he's enjoying enjoying himself clearly and mm. he's got every right to do so but he does obviously he was on the masked singer wasn't he a few uh, months really? ago okay and i don't know whether it's maybe because of that and it's sort of people have remembered that glenn hoddle can sing a bit and he's like one of those classic blokes that like can he can sing like he can clearly hold a tune but he's got a pretty low ceiling i think as we heard with some of the falsetto bits there there was a bit of there was a bit of work being done in the production there to keep that in tune i mean i identified at least 14 different singing styles in that second song um, <laughs> um they're really kind of husky i mean i think he actually did all all of the backstreet boys within the first half of the song in terms of uh, in terms of delivery um there was definitely some aj there at some point but uh, <laughs> but yeah no, fair play to him I mean that that can only be our prevailing sentiment here is fair play to Glenn Huddle perhaps not quite the treat I promised you James um, but um, but I, I needed to open the nation's eyes to Glenn Hoddle's uh, double single offering well, if everyone listens if everyone if there's a surge now of listeners to Ooh. his two singles on Spotify perhaps yeah. can you get into the charts on the basis of Spotify play oh, it takes fuck all these days it takes fuck all if we really wanted to and we absolutely hounded social media I reckon we could get Glenn Hoddle number one before the end of this tournament oh. I'm, I'm actually pretty busy for the we're next not going to do that we're obviously not going to do that because I can't be asked. but no because campaigns to get songs to number one are the, the, the tackiest thing in the history of the world as an illustration of how easy it is to do, I think even our very modest podcast audience could probably get Glenn Hoddle to number one. Listeners, if you want to do that, yeah. be our guests. Yeah. <laughs> if you want to do it, please go ahead. We Which are song? nothing Which to do Which song? Because we're England, presumably. Yeah. 
if we go out the other one anyway good luck to Glenn Hoddle thank you everyone for listening thank you Dave for joining us tonight and thank you also your Sunday night co-legend James Moore as well cheers everyone see you next time the life you give to me The Athletic <laughs>